Welcome to Storytime on Season 3 of the Golf Exposed Podcast. Today, we tell the tale of how a family-owned and operated company from humble beginnings turns into one of the largest players in the golf management industry. Brown Golf Management started as a company in January of 2011. The company was founded by John A. Brown and his two sons, John M. Brown and Todd Brown. Jason Harshbarger, CFO and co-owner, joined the Brown Golf team in November of 2011, becoming the fourth owner. The company began with a venture capital funding source, allowing the company to start acquiring golf courses. Under this model, the venture capital partner owned the land and Brown Golf leased back the golf club operations. In 2011, Pinecrest Golf Club in Bluffton, South Carolina, becomes the first property under the portfolio. Many things occur, many properties are added, blood, sweat, and tears are shed. We fast forward to 2017. The torch is passed and founder John A. Brown retires. John M. Brown was named his successor and CEO. In 2020, the revolution in online tea time booking is upon us with Golfback. The following year in 2021, Brown Golf Management acquires Carolina National. And now, in 2022, Brown Golf Management merges with Great Life Golf and Fitness. And today, joining us is CEO and president of the newly founded Great Life Golf, John M. Brown. Here to tell the tale and what that means moving forward on Golf Exposed Season 3 Season Premiere. Welcome to the Golf Exposed Podcast. It is nonstop trash. Stuff. I'm supposed to be pros here. I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf. Golf Exposed Podcast. But it wasn't talked about like it is now. We got our kicked. Where we give you the good, the bad, and the truth about golf business, betting, and stories. John. Welcome to season three of Golf Exposed, and I'm going to hit you right out of the gate, hot and heavy, before we even ask how you're doing or how you're feeling. Tell me what is Great Life Golf? What does it actually mean for the industry and yourself? Great Life Golf is the merger between two uh, golf companies and golf brands. One was Brown Golf, obviously the company that I was the CEO of, who had 25 golf courses, mostly along the East Coast with one in Missouri. Great Life Golf and Fitness was a golf company mostly located in the Midwest. They own most of their properties. They have a large presence in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, it's really been awesome. Uh, it's something that I've kind of embraced. Topeka, there's a presence in Utah, and there's an affiliate presence in South Dakota as well. The 27 clubs that were part of the Kansas, Missouri, Utah connectivity and under a, a separate ownership group merged with Brown Golf, and we created one company great life golf the fitness brand is still associated with a few of the the great life original properties however obviously our properties did not bring fitness so we went with great life golf and it's a, a brand new company uh, merged together that i'm the ceo of very excited about the future of the company and, and the growth potential and my new partners and very excited to be running a larger geographic portfolio. I talked a little bit about the lineage of Brown Golf Management merging with Great Life, of course, forming Great Life Golf. You outlined a little bit before me off air of your travels in recent weeks. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Do you need some Gatorade? Do you need some coffee? Where have you been just in the past few weeks? And what was the initial 
phases of the merger like for you as far as undertaking everything all at once? Well, the conversation started well over a year ago with the uh, three owners of Great Life. So that took me out to the Midwest multiple times for negotiations and discussions about what this new company might look like. Uh, met them down at the PGA show as well. And obviously those conversations went great. Since the merger on September 1st, I spent a week in the Kansas market visiting all of their golf courses. And last week was was really an opportunity for us to look at golf courses that were for sale and meet some of our strategic partners. And last week, in particular, I was in Charlotte, Wilmington, North Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Iowa, back to Topeka, Kansas, Sioux Falls, Salt Lake City, and then Salt Lake back to Harrisburg. So it was a pretty hectic travel week. Oh, yeah. An exciting week because it was all about talking about new opportunities and the future potential of growth for the company. Let's get down to brass tacks. John, a great man, great guy, great guy. Uh, and I like him. He's a good man. Named Mason Darrell Bethay. Are you familiar with him? I am not. Okay, he once said, Mo money, mo problems. Now, who's hot, who not? Also known as the rapper Mace. I imagine with a merger of this size comes more revenue, more staff, clearly more responsibilities, more travel, more time away from your family. So as a company that comes from humble beginnings, family owned and operated. What made you feel that you were ready for this massive undertaking? There will be no resting in peace. The excitement around continuing to impact the industry is probably my main driver. We've continued to try to analyze golf a little differently than a lot of the companies in the marketplace from creating our technology products to just how we deploy our operational playbook. I think it is unique in the space. And there was a lot of synergies with Great Life. But they also bring a unique experience as well from how they grew their company. And that was exciting to have those conversations with them about how they grew their company and some of their thoughts. The six of us, the three Brown Golf owners and the three Great Life owners coming together to create one board for the new Great Life company. And then myself and Jason Harshbarger, our, our CFO, we are all excited about leaning on the total experience in the room and delivering you know, some of the successes that we've both found to new clubs and new operations and new owners and continuing to analyze how we can be better as an industry and add quality golf courses and create great experiences for the uh, customers that come to our clubs. So, John, I've worked in the fitness industry, gyms, worked in the television and film industry, on-set productions. So I'm just thinking in the ways of terms that I can understand when there's a group of people and there's different thoughts, different egos involved. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory sense. When people put their heads together and collaborate, I, I know what happens. Uh, you know, in the course of several months, a cup of coffee gets filled. Nothing gets done. There's so much back and forth. So what made this relationship with Great Life and Brown Golf Management so cohesive? And what made you feel like you had to work together and come together? Was it just the synergy amongst like-minded individuals? Was it a business opportunity? Was it all of the above? The synergy amongst like-minded individuals was really important for me to have a comfort level in making this step. The autonomy the group's giving us to use our infrastructure and to operate our business uh, was something that was very appealing to me as well. Because I agree with you, sometimes there can be too many you know cooks in the kitchen, right? As long as we have the same principal goals, that's important. You need to be aligned there, but then ultimately somebody needs to make be the decision maker day in and day out, and then evaluated right by the group. But uh, that was an incredible opportunity for me. Just the excitement around sort of what both groups have achieved so far, but then the opportunity for me to really take 
uh, some of those successes and deploy them with a larger strategy. That was my motivation for making this move. And yes, there's more responsibility, but there's more upside and reward as well, which I'm excited about. We all know that personal relationships are extremely important in business and in life. But I also know that you're a massive proponent of automation, convenience, streamlining efforts. So when you become larger, do you run the risk of losing the personal touch that comes with really what you built your Brown Golf Management Company on is those personal relationships, the family owned and operation. How do you walk the line between becoming as efficient as possible, getting into more automation, yet still giving the member or guest the best experience possible and letting them be personally heard and felt by you as a company? From a technology standpoint, to turn a blind eye to the opportunities to create a streamlined operation is not an effective way to operate your business into the future. So I think it's essential that you incorporate technology. And from a relationship standpoint, the guest experience, their interactions with every employee at the club, and the way the employees feel about the club is essential to creating the right culture and environment into the future as well. You need a combination of both. Obviously, when you're a small company and you're very close to the folks you work with, other golf course owners that maybe you manage their facility, there is a little bit more face time with those owners. But I believe we've built a great infrastructure of talent at Great Life, and our employees are very strong and capable to create and maintain those personal relationships while we still deliver a great product and a great asset that both financially supports golf course owners, but also gives the club the opportunity to reinvest in employees' opportunities. Does the customer experience vary from property to property? With 53 properties under your belt in the portfolio, obviously there's a myriad of different courses. It's different clientele. It's different guests, different members. You've been out on many of the courses recently. I know you have to meet the staff. You have to interact with them and make nice with the people who have been there and supporting the club. Do you get a chance to interact with any of the guests or the players or the members? Is the experience and what they want from their club different from property to property? This merger has created a discovery opportunity, right? We need to understand what every club is doing and how they're doing it. And one of the things about really evaluating what Great Life has done is they really have set kind of two brands in their marketplace, a signature brand, which is really an upscale luxury brand, really private clubs, larger infrastructure, all the traditional amenities you would think about at a private club, collecting initiation fees and, you know, higher monthly dues. That's that's one brand. And their second brand is really the classic clubs, which is more of a, I call it an enjoyment brand, a daily experience brand. Golfers that want to come in, they want to play some quality golf. They want to grab a hot dog, hot sandwich, a beer. But it's really just they're in and out for four hours of enjoyment, and then they're back to their daily routine. And that's a different type of brand, the classic brand, a different type of experience. I think they've done a really good job of denoting those two customer bases and what they're looking for. And as I analyzed their market, it became very evident that many of our clubs would fit somewhere in the middle, what I would call a premier brand. And so we've really positioned Great Life to offer three brands, a signature brand, a premier brand, and a classic brand. The brands vary. One's a luxury lifestyle brand with some higher costs associated. One's a a membership experience, maybe a high-quality daily fee brand in the premier that offers great golf and F&B supporting amenities at those clubs. And one's a classic brand, which is more of an opportunity to come in, have great four hours, and then be on with your daily routine. And so each customer base is looking for something different. No two clubs are the same. No two markets are the same. 
So I think that layering of brand is important in continued evaluation as we look at opportunities. And frankly, I think it's essential to meeting the customer's expectations of the property. If you would have told somebody 20, 30 years ago that eventually a course may be entirely or, or 50 or 80% automation, they probably would tell you that that's not sustainable, not possible. Are you seeing more of a gradual change to people wanting more automation, wanting more of the experience where it's quick and easy and they can get in and get out? Everybody's so busy nowadays and attention spans seem to be dwindling by the day. Obviously, you're going to adapt your model in time with what the market tells you is is necessary and what's in demand. Um, have you seen that being a trend, people wanting more of the streamlined experience? There's no doubt. I mean, I'll ask you a question, Jordan. If you go to a convenience store, would you rather stand in line and have your checkout process by a clerk and pay for your food and maybe you have to go out and swipe your credit card to do your gas? Or would you rather be able to do everything in an app at a gas station? There's days where I would love a jovial conversation and to hobnob with some people, but the vast majority of the time, I just feel like I'm pressed for time and I'm busy and I just want to get in and get out. And if I can talk to no human beings, that'd be wonderful. So I think the answer to that question is it varies, right? So in our signature brand, I think the expectation is going to be that you have that great connection, that you walk into the golf shop and there's a great instructor who was a PGA certified and great merchandise and and just a different experience in the signature brand, but you're paying an initiation fee and higher monthly dues. And there's an expectation level there. Perhaps in our classic brand, if you could buy your tea time online, you could pour yourself an automated beer. You could use a digital key to turn your card on and you could be on with your day. Maybe that's the experience level that customer is looking for. And I think there it varies. And I think that's part of knowing your customer base in your club. That interaction is essential in some clubs. And some, it's probably more important that there's convenience and automation. So how does your role as CEO adapt from it's not that Brown Golf Management was a was a necessarily a small company by industry standards. You can speak to that, but how does your role as CEO adapt as you obviously become much larger in scale? Basically, doubled our employees. So you know we're twelve hundred to thirteen hundred total employees now, and our executive leadership level has grown a little bit with this merger as well. And so for me, you know, I've really positioned my role as CEO as one that I'm going to focus on business development opportunities, and I'm really going to work with our executive team to deliver you know sound strategies portfolio-wide. Uh, but I'll only be as good as obviously the folks underneath me and their ability to interact with me, educate me about the marketplaces and what they're seeing, but also being able to deploy effective strategies. But I'm excited about the organization we've built and frankly, some of the new opportunities that have been created by this merger and new positions, which have really grown our infrastructure and our capabilities. It's a time where we've got the resources, We've built a great operational playbook, which I think we've got a great sound strategy for deploying. I think everybody understands the direction we're flying, and it's exciting to see this process play out. In terms of actual scale, you just mentioned that you doubled in size. Is there a goal or a vision in mind where you say, I would like to be this large by this time, or is it really just about doing it the right way, bringing it along when the time is right and with the right club or with the right people? It's about being able to look across the table at whoever it is that I'm working with, whether it's on an acquisition, a lease, or managing their facility, and having a comfort level that I'm dealing with good people and I'm able to help them. And if that leads us to hundreds of clubs, great. If it leads us to shorter growth uh, windows, you know, maybe only two to four a year, I'm comfortable with that as well. I don't have a number in mind. I want to work with good quality people that I can actually make an impact with.
What would it take for you to deem this merger a success in the short term and in the long term? In the short term, it's it's navigating the merger, right? When you when you merge with another company, there's a lot of parts to that. So from an IT technology standpoint to systems to just emails, there's just a lot. So uh, my goal is by January 1, the merger is complete and we're through some of the discovery and transitional phases of coming together as one company. Going into 23, it's about really establishing who we are and the brands we're offering and the way we can help clubs and having really positive conversations with folks in the marketplace. Long term, it's to be a unique company in the marketplace, maybe a disruptor to a degree about how we analyze golf operations and what we deliver from a customer experience standpoint, I think we're going to have success in that. It's been mentioned in interviews before. You've been on several podcasts recently, great information being shared. Uh, On the Golfing podcast, for example, which you did live a few weeks back, a great man said that you are disrupting the industry, but in a positive way. Do you feel that you are disrupting the industry in, in a positive nature? Our technology platform has absolutely disrupted you know, the industry. And I think what it's done is it's basically taken what has been the technology norm in golf and it's changed the parameters around that. And now the idea that you can own your brand, own your lowest price, drive customers direct, build your golf community, figure out the effect of automated marketing campaigns to invite your customers back, that can happen at the club level with the club's brand in the club's golf community. And you don't need to rely on third parties, which take a number out of the club's pocket that is a number that is not sustainable long-term for the industry. And so, yeah, absolutely. And now that we have control of more golf courses and we can deploy our strategy, I think that's only going to continue the velocity of this movement. And overall, Golfback has 76 total clients right now, and we haven't brought on the Great Life courses yet. So once we bring on the Great Life courses, we'll be close to 100. And we're seeing more and more successful case studies on this transition. And the idea of a few simple principles, right? Own your lowest price, own your data, be the direct communicator to your customer, retain 100% of your online green and car fee revenues with where the industry is heading with more and more tee times being booked online. There's no reason for a golf course to ever give its customer away to a third party. Is golf on the cusp of a boom period, both in technology, revenue, overall play? There's a lot of new players in the market in all facets of the industry. Do you feel that we're experiencing a boom period or on the cusp of a boom period? The boom period has happened in 20 and 21 with COVID. I think we're all benefiting from more players than we had in 18 and 19, maybe not quite to where we were in 20 and 21. Overall, there's been a, a definite uplift in the industry, but I think it only makes it more important for you to understand who your customers are and how to market to those customers. We need to know who these folks are. We need to invite them back with interest that they have in mind, not just blast marketing campaigns out that maybe they don't have interest in, but really target market. And it's a uplift, but it can be an incredible boom period if you take advantage of the opportunities that exist with technology today. I know there's different tiers, different layers. What does a Great Life Golf member, guest, player look like in 2022? It's someone that cares about quality lifestyle, an active lifestyle, a social element to their 
interactions with folks at the club level. Someone that might be attracted to amenities like fitness and pools and tennis at the signature level. And really between the three brands, I think there's a little bit more detail within the three brands, right? The luxury lifestyle brand is someone who's really looking for a place that can be like a second home of social activity. I think the premier brand is someone who wants quality golf and great food and beverage, convenience, practices, facilities, and amenities in great conditions. And the classic is someone who's looking for enjoyment with their friends, you know, four hours of fun, get away from that hectic work week and just enjoying uh, the day. So I think there's a little bit of something for everyone. At the root, it's someone who enjoys being outside, quality conditions, interacting with friends and family, and obviously some athletic ability with golf being the primary source of activity. You travel a lot and you speak at a lot of colleges, you give a lot of seminars, you make yourself very accessible to young professionals who want to break into the golf industry, who want to progress their career in the golf industry. What does an ideal Great Life Golf staff member look like in 2022 and beyond? What are some prerequisites they should come prepared with if they're looking to become part of the team? It's someone that is self-motivated, that wants to invest in themselves. It excites them to have an infrastructure of resources to tap into and excites them to build their career. Those are the folks that I think will really uh, climb the ladder within our corporate organization. Perhaps it's someone who maybe isn't looking for a career, but just a great, fun hourly job. Obviously, golf is a great industry to have a quality, fun job as well, whether it's a secondary career or maybe it's an after-career career. I mean, golf courses can provide great, fun opportunities for employees as well. What most attracts me to anyone that I interview is someone that is highly motivated to self-invest. Does the goal or vision overall for you change now that you've doubled in size? Or is it the same vision just on a larger scale? It's changed. It's larger, which is a change, right? Uh, But also, we've got an opportunity with this group, with these owners, to really create something unique in the space. And, you know, that um, ability didn't exist with just Brown Golf and now exists with Great Life. And my goal is that we continue to be uh, a very unique, innovative company for golf course owners and operators. Um, We promote the three different brands and figure out where those brands fit in the marketplace. And we continue with the movement of making golf a more sustainable long-term business for the folks that are vested in golf courses. On the flip side, from a customer experience standpoint, we're going to continue to deliver convenience and technology while coupling that with the personal experience that's necessary depending on the club and the market. And we want to be a very innovative company from the standpoint of the customer experience as well. And we're just going to keep the the pedal down on both fronts. So John, we greatly appreciate your time. Um, We know time is of the essence. Time is very precious. So just for example, what are you, what do your travels look like over the next couple of weeks and months? Well, let's see. What is it today? It's the 4th of October today. So the 6th of October, I'm down. I'm speaking to a professional golf management program at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, which I'm excited about. I do that annually with that class and just introduce them to the business. So really enjoying my time down there. The week after that, I'm down at the Golf Inc. Conference, which I am speaking in a great segment with Del Ratcliffe, who's a golf course owner and operator and really technology provider in the email space out of Charlotte. Great speaker that'll be part of our segment, Bryce Voison from Golfback and Jason Pearsall from Club Caddy. After that, I've got 
uh, travel plan to our clubs in our market. We are building a top tracer down at our 54-hole resort in Orange Lake, which I'm super excited about. And we are going to be reopening Julington Creek after a, a golf course renovation of the greens, the bunkers, tees, tree removal. Very excited to get that property reopened and just some exciting times ahead. Did, did you have to sit down with the family and say, hey, uh, dad's going to be on the road quite a bit for the next maybe year and a half? My wife has always been very understanding of the commitments that I have as far as what we're trying to do from a business standpoint. We're a team, and and she does great at home with our three kids. You know, I do miss my kids when I'm on the road. Uh, there's been a lot of travel lately, but I think it's going to balance out here a little bit more. What I've noticed is if I travel more than about four days every two weeks, I start to get discompobulated. So I've, I've got to kind of keep it to less than four days, you know, every two weeks. So I can get some office time. I can get that balance with the family. And frankly, I can just be productive. As I've gotten older, I'm like weirdly afraid of flying now, but I never was before. And you must be a decent flyer, I guess. Oh, I'm, I fly great. You bounce me all over the place. No big deal. Now, Jason, my business partner is a white knuckler, even is if he? we hit a little cloud. So uh, he's a little different, but me, I'm fine. I mean, we flew down into Salt Lake City. We hit some uh, clouds. We were bumping around. I might have had a hesitation of nerves there, but it was very, very small. And we were bouncing pretty good. Uh, I've been pl- flying spirit lately, so that maybe that's why I feel that way. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but greatly appreciate your time, John, as always. One of the hardest working guys in the industry already, and then with this merger, I know it's even more. So the last thing I'll ask you, I also heard you mention in an interview that this merger has really motivated you. So uh, obviously it's going to motivate you. You really have no choice but to grab the bull by the horns here when you're leading the charge. However, um, in what ways did this motivate you to just you know go above and beyond and do even more and um, reach farther? Well, I've got partners now, right? So in Brown Golf, you know, there was three of us and we had a long history and it was kind of, it had run its course, not from the standpoint of expectations or what we wanted to achieve, but there was just a comfort level. And at the end of the day, we were all very happy with each other in our performance over the last nine years or so. I have new partners now, right? And I really want to improve their assets and produce. And I'm excited about that. And that gives me a certain energy and fire. I mean, developing the Great Life Operational Playbook. We had great resources inside Brown Golf. And I think we did a good job with our resources. But thinking about bringing on 27 golf courses, I needed to deploy you know, our playbook in a certain way to be most effective. And PJ Politan, who's my chief operating officer, and I really dug in. And I think we built out a great platform with the playbook and a great deployment strategy with with the playbook as well, which I think is only going to help our facilities understand sort of the foundational components of operations. So there's just, you know, a renewed energy and motivation and and vigor behind sort of everything we do, which I think is, uh, which is for me exciting. Exciting times. What's the feedback been in the industry like? I know you've put out a lot of publications and a lot of appearances. You're traveling all over the place. What's some of the feedback that you've heard from your peers? Well, Golf Now called me and said, congratulations. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen yet. A lot of quality feedback from the market, the industry, folks from the National Golf Course Owners Association and other owners and operators, relationships that I've made over the years. And I really appreciate positive feedback. And I'm looking forward to continuing to grow with the Great Life brand and just supporting the industry, period. John, thank you so much for your time. We always appreciate it. Thank you.